Welcome to the Monterey Podcast. For more information, check out our website at montereychurch.com. Well, I cannot think of a better place to begin this morning than to ask you to reflect deeply on the words that you've just heard Warren speak, to let those words wash over your hearts and minds. Uh, For example, he began by saying, our world lacks peace right now. Uh, That peace, which comes from the Hebrew word shalom, is when things are in harmony, when things are as they should be. That God intends for us to seek his peace, but even beyond that, that God intends for us to be peacemakers, to be proponents of creating peace around us. And then those indicting words, I've been around some Christians that you could not classify as peacemakers. On the other hand, if you are a peacemaker, people will be drawn to you. You'll have opportunities to disciple, to encourage, because people long for peace. And so let me invite you to hear the beatitude that we are exploring today as we continue this series. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. God's favor rests on those who are peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Just as Sam did a moment ago in asking us to pause and pray and reflect, let me also invite you to pray with me again as we step into this study this morning. Let's pray together. Oh God, we praise you for being a God of relationship and for being a God who longs for relationship with us. A God who brings peace to our lives through the cross and resurrection of Jesus. A peace that we experience even in the midst of the chaos and conflict that may be all around us. A peace that surpasses human understanding. God, thank you for the peace we experience as your children. But God, just as Jesus worded it in that beatitude, help us to take it even beyond that. Give us the heart and the courage and the passion to be peacemakers in our world. God, I pray for peace in our church family. I pray for peace in our community. I pray for peace in our country that is divided in so many ways. I pray for peace in our world. God, we desperately pray for peace. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, I told the early assembly I'm a little bit reluctant to say anything about Christmas uh, since Sam and I, uh, our offices are side by side and he typically begins playing Christmas music in July. Uh, But believe it or not, we are less than 10 weeks away from Christmas. Uh, Church-wise, we are only six weeks away from the beginning of an Advent sermon series, a series that we will begin on Sunday, November the 29th. As you're well aware, traditionally, the Advent season, that season that anticipates the coming of the Messiah, the Advent season focuses on those incredible themes of hope and peace and joy and love. The hope and peace and joy and love that the birth of Jesus, that the incarnation brings to our world. And so in light of those incredible themes and in light of the beatitude that we're exploring this morning, Let me invite you to pause with me at the outset and think for just a couple of moments about this idea of peace, specifically the peace that God brings to our lives. 
One of the great prophetic texts that spoke in anticipation of the coming Messiah, the prophet Isaiah. We hear these great words in Isaiah chapter 9. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on and forever. The promise of peace that the Messiah would bring. And you recall some of those stories in the Gospels as the Gospel writers tell us about the birth of Jesus, uh, the songs that are sung regarding the peace that the Messiah brings. And yet, uh, and yet I want you to hear me carefully. Peace does not necessarily mean the absence of storms in our lives. does not mean the absence of chaos, the absence of conflict. What peace does mean is that we experience comfort and calm even in the midst of the doubt and the despair and the chaos and the conflict. It is a different perspective from the worry and anxiety and frustration that often grip us when we experience those storms of life, when we experience chaos and conflict. Jesus brings that kind of peace, that kind of presence, that kind of calm in our lives. Again, even in the midst of the storms, even in the midst of chaos and conflict. Let me offer one example from his earthly ministry it's a story that's found in all three of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus and his disciples are in a boat crossing the Sea of Galilee. Matthew's Gospel tells us that a furious storm came up on the lake and the waves swept over the boat. Mark will describe it as a furious squall. The waves broke over the boat so that the boat was nearly swamped. Luke adds they were in great danger to the point that all three of those Gospels tell us the disciples thought they were going to drown. They thought they were going to die. And so they wake Jesus, who is sleeping in the back of the boat, asking, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Mark tells us that Jesus got up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Peace, peace, be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Now, as you've heard me talk about the Gospels through the years, you've heard me make the observation that I think there's great power in reading the Gospels at different levels. At one level, we obviously read a story like that where Jesus performs a miracle, and we recognize that Jesus has incredible power over nature, just as he has power over life and death. But I'm also convinced we read those stories at other levels because I'm convinced that story is there to do more than just convince me that Jesus can calm the winds and the waves on the Sea of Galilee. It is a reminder that we also experience storms in our lives beyond the physical storms that a storm on a lake might bring. We face so many different storms of life, and Jesus has the incredible power to bring peace in the midst of those storms. 
when danger threatens, when friends turn their backs on me, when I'm diagnosed with a terminal illness, when I've lost a spouse or a child to death, when my children rebel, when I lose my job, when we hear of another terrorist activity, when a pandemic will not go away, when the pressures of life are overwhelming. But I also want you to hear me clearly as I talk about Jesus having the power to bring peace. The promise, hear me carefully, the promise is not that Jesus will remove all of those storms of life. The promise is that he will give us peace, a peace, a calmness that transcends human understanding, even as the storms may be raging around us. In fact, I think we do a great disservice to any conversation about peace if we define peace as the absence of storms or conflict or chaos or confusion or disappointment or even fear. Peace is not necessarily the absence of those things. Peace is that deep confidence that God is with us even in and perhaps especially in those kinds of moments. And so the Apostle Paul will say a few decades beyond the ministry of Jesus, do not be anxious about anything. And I think it's always appropriate to pause when we hear that statement and to ask ourselves, have you been anxious about anything in the last week, the last month, the last year? And here's Paul saying, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here's the promise. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so I pray this morning that you are experiencing that kind of peace in your life. No matter what storms you may be facing right now, I pray that you are experiencing the peace that comes through Jesus. But again, I want you to hear me carefully. That is not what this beatitude is all about. Now, I do believe that the peace we experience as believers is the launching pad for what Jesus says in this beatitude, but that's not what this beatitude is all about. This beatitude says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Question, is there someone who comes to your mind immediately when you think about peacemakers? In fact, for those of you in the room, those of you online I can't see, but for those of you in the room, is there someone who comes to your mind immediately when you think about peacemakers? Would you raise your hand if someone comes to mind immediately? And I see hands all over this room. Someone whose words promote peace rather than conflict. Someone whose words encourage rather than tear down. Someone who has the courage to step into difficult situations with the desire to bring healing and reconciliation. Question, and Warren alluded to this in the video. You don't have to raise your hands on this one. Is there someone who comes to mind immediately when you think about folks who are not peacemakers? Maybe someone who claims to be a follower of Jesus, but who is anything but a peacemaker. Maybe someone whose words promote conflict rather than peace. Someone whose words tear down rather than encourage. 
someone who steps into a difficult situation, but rather than making the situation better, they make the situation worse because of their words or their perspectives. Question, which one are you? Which one are you? Would others describe you as a peacemaker or as someone who is anything but a peacemaker? I'm not an expert when it comes to conflict management, but I have studied conflict management at great length over the last 15 years. <clears throat> and I've had the wonderful privilege of teaching courses on conflict management in a couple of graduate programs. I typically begin those courses with this kind of conversation, asking the question, is conflict good or bad? And the answer is yes. Is conflict good or bad? In fact, let me invite you to look at the slide on the screen for just a moment. Uh, this is a Chinese symbol for crisis. It's a symbol that means danger plus opportunity. In fact, the symbol is a combination of two other symbols, the symbol for danger and the symbol for opportunity in the Chinese language, creating a symbiotic relationship. Because the reality is, in every crisis, every conflict, every storm of life, number one, there is danger, but number two, there's also opportunity. For example, when we face conflict in our relationships, marriage, friendships, work environments, even church, when we face conflict in our relationships, there is the potential of those relationships being damaged, the potential even of those relationships being destroyed. But there's another side to the conversation. In every conflict, in every crisis, every storm of life, there is also opportunity. Opportunities for us to grow. Opportunities for us to change, to be transformed more and more into the image of Christ. Opportunities for relationships to deepen as we work through conflict, to become healthier. The question is, what perspective do we bring to the storms that we encounter? What perspectives do we bring when we experience conflict or chaos? Might I suggest that a peacemaker is one who sees opportunity rather than danger? Not that we ignore the potential dangers, but we see the opportunities for growth and for reconciliation. Even beyond that, the peacemaker is the one who steps into, who looks for those kinds of opportunities to bring peace. <clears throat> now, let me add another dimension to the conversation. When it comes to how we deal with conflict or chaos, when it comes to how we deal with conflict, all of us have some natural tendencies based upon our personalities, our family backgrounds, our experiences. In fact, in the conflict management world, five tendencies are usually described. Number one, there are those who avoid conflict, maybe to the point of avoiding conflict at all costs. Maybe that's your tendency. Maybe you know folks who just avoid conflict anytime it arises. Number two, there are those whose natural tendency is to compete. They want to win no matter what. Those who know me would probably tell you that that's my tendency even if I'm playing ping pong with a five-year-old son like I did when Ben was five, he wasn't going to win. 
I wasn't going to let him win. When he's good enough to beat his dad, okay, I'll pass him a compliment then. In fact, Debbie got on my case many times saying, let him win. Nope, nope. I am an incredibly competitive person. Uh, to the point, hopefully, as I've grown through the years, to recognize that sometimes with that competitive tendency, I may harm rather than blessing relationship. But that tendency of competitiveness, a third tendency is accommodation. Those who value relationships so deeply that they just give in to whatever the other person wants. Fourth tendency is to compromise. Let's just meet halfway. And then a fifth tendency that is called collaboration, the willingness to ask questions, to explore the interest of others, ultimately to ask what is the best solution for the relationship, what is best for us as a group. Now, when we look at those five tendencies, our initial response may be to evaluate them as good or bad or to evaluate one as better than another. Reality is that none of those tendencies are good nor bad in and of themselves. They're simply tendencies that we possess. And with each one of them, there may be a time and a place for that tendency to be played out, a time when it's appropriate, a time when it's inappropriate. For example, back to competitiveness, competitiveness for a moment, if that's how I always deal with relationships, then I can guarantee you I'm probably going to harm some relationships through the years. But I'll also tell you that if I'm lying on an operating table in an emergency room and my life is at stake, I want a doctor who will take charge. There is a time and a place for any of those tendencies. Now, maybe what I need to do is pause. First of all, thank you for your patience <clears throat> as I offered those comments regarding conflict tendencies. But here's my point. No matter what my more natural tendency is when I face conflict or crisis or the storms of life, no matter what my more natural tendency is, I have a choice when I approach all of those situations. I have a choice. I can choose how I respond. And maybe, just maybe, that's what Jesus wants us to grab hold of in this beatitude. That in a broken, messy, chaotic world, this broken, messy, chaotic, chaotic world where we as disciples of Jesus want to draw near, that in this broken, messy, chaotic world, we can choose to be peacemakers. And so we hear Jesus saying, blessed are the peacemakers. And as we've pointed out with most of these Beatitudes, it's not just reading this Beatitude and saying, okay, we're done with it. As we keep reading the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus continues to flesh out again and again various ones of these Beatitudes. And so we come to the latter part of chapter 5, and Jesus talks about how we deal with those who mistreat us, how we deal with enemies, how we deal with someone who strikes us on one cheek, someone who compels us to go one mile. And in all of those contexts, Jesus encourages us to be peacemakers. But I can't end without asking as well, did you notice the promise that is connected to this beatitude? Please, please, please don't miss it. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. There are incredible promises connected with all of these beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn, they'll be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
they'll be filled. Blessed are the pure in heart. They will see God. But notice, this is the only beatitude with this specific promise. They will be called children of God. And so maybe the most important question of the morning is, what do you want to be called? What do you want to be called? Hear me clearly. I love to be called dad by Jennifer and Benjamin and Philip. I love to be called Grampy by Kevin and Molly and Hannah and Findlay and Lucas and Carter. But more than anything else, I want to be called a child of God. And so I suspect I'd better take seriously what Jesus says in this beatitude. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they are the ones who will be called children of God. Uh, One more question. Do you think that means that those who are not peacemakers are not children of God? I'll leave that one for you to ponder. I didn't ask, did you show up at church today? I didn't ask, do you claim to be a follower of Jesus? I asked, do you think that beatitude means that those who are not peacemakers are not children of God? One final observation, the word peace and the word reconciliation are so closely connected in Scripture. The mission of God, for example, is to restore relationships, to bring reconciliation, to bring peace. And quite frankly, that's where I tried to begin this morning, that through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, God allows us to experience peace, a peace that surpasses human understanding. Even when life is filled with storms and conflict and chaos, God is a God of peace, and He brings peace to our lives. But then catch this, this God who brings peace has placed into our hands as His church, as his sons and daughters, he has placed into our hands that same ministry of reconciliation and peace. It's the kind of language Paul uses all over the place in 2 Corinthians 5, where he says again, God was in the world through Christ, reconciling the world to himself, and now he has committed to us that ministry of peace, that ministry of reconciliation. Maybe, just maybe, a text that echoes what Jesus is saying in the Beatitude. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And as Warren said so well at the beginning, when you are a peacemaker, people will be drawn to you. In fact, I'm convinced that God will open up opportunity after opportunity for us to encourage others, to disciple others, to mentor others, to teach others, to guide others. And so, would you indulge me for just another 90 seconds or so? Do your words encourage or tear down? Does your behavior promote peace or bring more chaos? In this world of social media, do your posts on Facebook bring harmony or create divisiveness? When storms arise... Do you allow anxiety to control you? Or do you grab hold of the peace and the calm that Jesus brings? Are you the calm in the midst of the storms of life? Even beyond that, are people drawn to you in the midst of those storms, in the midst of chaos 
and conflict? Are they drawn to you because you are a person of peace? My invitation to you this morning is to join me in reflecting on those questions. In fact, I'm going to invite us to spend just about uh, 30 to 45 seconds reflecting on those questions in our lives and asking, I pray, in very serious ways, where do we need to change our behavior? Where do we need to change our language, our perspectives? Where do we need to repent? And will we be honest enough to acknowledge those areas and then faithful enough to make those changes? Would you join me? Reflect on your life as I reflect on mine. And then I'll lead us together in a prayer. Let's pause. God, we thank you again for being a God of peace, a God who brings peace to our lives. And now, God, may we have the faith and the courage and the passion to step into a broken, chaotic world and be peacemakers. In the name of Jesus, amen.